Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. We're gonna talk about Trisha Helfer. Da, 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 da. That's staying in, and we're starting the podcast with that. So, hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome back to Streaming in Place. It's <laughs> time to talk Lucifer, season two, episode three, Sin Eater. And yeah, let's just kick it off right there. Allison, more Trisha Helfer, and it sounds like you're on board. What did you think? Oh, I'm I'm low key obsessed. I paused in the middle of the episode yesterday and turned to my partner and I was like, this shouldn't work at all, but it really, really does. And it does because she's so good. Uh, she's so good. And it's not I haven't forgotten exactly because it's um, her performance in Battlestar Galactica goes on. the, And this one is slightly more controversial, I think goes on the January Jones is good and Mad Men list of um, takes that I don't think should be hot, but that people are always like, really? I'm like, yeah, you're confusing a beautiful blonde woman with a bad performance. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like the fact that she's very beautiful does not mean that she's not also acting. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, she's great. She's I I had not forgotten how good she was in Battlestar, but it was nice to be reminded anew that she's so that she can do this really um, tricky tonal stylistic stuff and really make it work because it feels it should feel incredibly mannered. It should feel showboaty. It should feel, um, if not insincere, at least like it's a broad strokes thing. And it never does. It feels so honest and committed. Um, I'm really enjoying it. She's still, for me at the moment, at least, she's stealing Lucifer away from Tom Ellis a little bit, who is still very good, but <laughs> but like, man. You know what I was thinking about was that the, this is less of a stretch for her than it would be for other people because she has experience playing someone who is not how they appear and new mm-hmm. to being human i am also yeah. one of you um and so and that wasn't what six was for much of the run and the various different sixes that she played of of battlestar but there were definitely versions of you know or characters that she played that were more and less acclimatized to humanity um mm-hmm. and and so like and you can see when you're watching her performance some elements of that in the performance and then some things that are completely different and so it's it's fun with that context to like appreciate just just what she's doing and yeah it's, i'm certainly enjoying it uh, noel how's it working for you it's working really well i think that one of the things that you're both touching on is the sort of like how she's able, how Helfer through Charlotte is able to find the different layers of this person, the celestial being and how they're navigating being in a meat bag Um, from this idea of the food goes in the mouth, but then it comes out as something that is not food and it's worse and it's worse and I think that there's a, like, that's not the best line in the world, I feel like. It's funny, but it also just, like, it feels like it needs a polish somewhere. But the polish comes in the performance, really. Well, um, and the timing of the doors. And like, the timing of the door, right, exactly. You're like, and we're closing this conversation. Lucifer doesn't want to have it, and neither do we. <laughs> and I think that makes a big difference in both how we understand what mom is going through, but but also how Helfer is really conveying a lot of that in just vocally and tonally. But I also think that there's lots of really good stuff in how 
Helfer is able to find like layers of what I feel like are genuine senses of both vulnerability, like with her scene with Amenadiel, um, but also just genuine like absolute frustration with the idea of my punishment. There are there my punishment is to stay here, but there are kids. I don't want to deal with kids, and I really appreciate the through line of the fact that the Celestials don't like children. I think that's just great. Um, but I, then to have it, that realization of, I can slam people into the sides of buildings. And just the ways in which both of those feel perfectly of a piece of this character, I think, is all helpful. And I really, really appreciate that. And I do agree with you, Allison, that I think that there's a degree to which she's take, stealing the show from El, Tom Ellis's performance to a degree. But I also think that Ellis is very wisely stepping back in his scenes with her to give her that space to do that. Because one of the things I've always like really responded to is the best actors are the ones that give space for other actors. And it's kind of the reason why like a lot of people, and this is a weird cut to draw on, but a lot of the reason why I was always really flummoxed by people who were just like, Ethan Hawke doesn't deserve an Oscar nomination for Training Day. And I just went, no, he absolutely does. Because without Ethan Hawke, that Denzel Washington performance almost doesn't work. You need that side performance to make everything else fit into place. And I think that's sort of what's happening here with Ellis and his scenes with Helfer is that he's giving a lot of space so that mom slash Charlotte feels like to get have that space, but also to have that performance feel both of a piece. Hi, Kitty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners at home, Nancy Drew just watched into frame. Both feel of a piece of the show, but also of a piece of like to give Helfer that space. And I think that that's just really, really important. That's really well said. I think that's such, it's the, um, the Diane Weist quality mm-hmm. where you're so good at making sure that everybody is set up to be amazing. And then when it's your moment, you step in and it's like, a, it's, I watched the birdcage this week, so she's on my mind, but that's, that to me is like a Diane Weist hallmark is knowing yeah. um, when to uh, make space for other people and elevate their jokes, um, which then of course makes it even funnier when you arrive at yours. So yeah. Um, and speaking of jokes, Trisha Helfer is also just very funny, yes. um, which is not a quality that often happens in Battlestar. <laughs> um, so um, watching the two of them together, I think is, and it's fun watching Lucifer be the Chloe mm-hmm. in the Lucifer Chloe relationship where, where Charlotte is Lucifer. And then, yeah, it's, um, it's just a great dynamic. Kate, how are you feeling about it? Oh, it's super fun. I'm really, I'm really digging it. And just like, again, the balance of the writing for the character and the performance, the, uh, like when she's figuring out bars and fun, <laughs> that's, you know, a delightful kind of, uh, back and forth. And then, uh, just, I'm, it just makes me look forward to her interactions with the rest of the people we've barely gotten to see her interact with including amenadiel including um just you know like what we get here with her and amenadiel i think is terrific i'm also really really enjoying uh you know woodside's performance and i'm just so glad they're giving him so much to play the watching him be like drunk and completely lost his purpose and like uh, very out of it amenadiel is so uh it it throws you know the energy of his scene so completely for a loop i just i really dig it and having um 
having Maze, because Maze is terrific and really perceptive when the plot needs her to be, but also entirely believably self-involved. <laughs> or just like, it's just like exactly the same as the thing with Dan, where she's like, but I put you naked in her bed, so that you aren't back together. I mean, that, that always works for me. Um, and here, the same thing, just assuming that it was uh, the the same, you know, dynamic here. I, I really bought it. I, I liked what we were getting in that that scene. I liked what we got with Amanda Deal and Mom later. And I think I would prefer a few, like one fewer, ha ha ha, I'm scheming moments to the camera from Mom. But otherwise, yeah, I'm very fair. much... On, on board with it. Um, what, what, how are you guys feeling about the... Oh, and the other thing that I think is a, a bit much, but did you guys catch that that line about how Charlotte Richard used to be a cop and now she's a defense attorney, so all the cops know her and like her so already? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is not established in the previous episode, but okay, if we're going to explain why she's here. I don't know. It was, that was a bit much for me. Yeah, that's a... Uh... It's a hell of a retcon. Like it doesn't doesn't make any. Just I, I the, and also unnecessary because they've already established that all she has to do is like walk out of doors and say hello, please do this thing for me. And because she's Trisha Helfer, it just happens. Mm-hmm. So she could just show up at the police station and be like, "Greetings, fellow humans," and then they would all swarm. You know, yeah. d- d- we don't yeah. need the retcon. Yeah. No thoughts. And well, my thing with the retcon is less the fact of she's a cop who's now a lawyer, but that's that was their default sort of deal of how to keep her sort of in the mix for everything is she's both. And it's just, but you could have done something like else, I feel like, as opposed to falling onto another insert into the judicial process, basically. And I understand that it's a cop show. So having a, another angle on the judi- judicial system helps justify keeping her around but it also just it keeps you limit your scope i feel like a little bit there and i feel like doing something else that i would have kept her circulating in some other fashion either like as a reporter or something else to provide a different sense of this world i think would have been really really helpful yeah i also just don't believe it for a second from the little we've seen about her life like who Charlotte, it you know was, and yeah. like for including her like her mansion and her Louboutins, and like yes, it's possible that that was you know first of all sure maybe that's just there are plenty of cops that are that you know want to have those fabulous shoes and like that wardrobe and everything and those mansions who go be make no money as a cop comparative to their jobs uh what the job is asking of them and then go you know what, i think i'll go into a law degree i mean like it just doesn't make any sense uh and i'm willing to give shows especially shows that i'm like digging and that have this like yeah just go with us kind of vibe i'm willing to give them a lot but i am just like i'm just right counting that out of my brain we're, we're just gonna be like no she just knows from being around there as a defense attorney and she's gorgeous so everybody likes her like and she's funny and like yeah i i'll, I'll just go with that and ignore the whole was a cop thing um scotty says just the just the years it takes to go to law school and then develop a whole practice of your own and become a big fancy deal how many cops would still be around who remember her yes a hundred percent yeah yes yeah so yeah i'm having tr- some trouble with that but uh let do you guys have any thoughts on the amenadeal stuff we get here and like how that's how that's going for you I, i'll say what i said yesterday which is that it's just such a nice change to watch db woodside actually have something to play 
um, besides like Lucy, you know <laughs> stuff. It's a big, big improvement in that regard. Um, and I think it's an interesting point of conflict. The feathers remain very distressing visually, mm-hmm. not as much as when he actually spread his wings in the previous episode, but it's it's upsetting. The dustbuster, I laugh so hard. It's so yeah. sad, but it's also just hilarious. The proportions and like, like, where did he get a dustbuster? Don't know. It's very. How funny. did he know to buy one? I don't, I don't know. Or maybe there's like a maybe there's like a supply closet somewhere. It like you know in in that compound or the building that they have their offices in. I don't know. It's just it's funny for me to think about. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we get here with Maze and Doctor Linda because of course I'm very here for that. I loved uh, the the because we we obviously we can see very easily what Maze gets from being friends with Doctor Linda and. Here we're getting a taste of what Dr. Linda gets from being friends with Maze. And uh, yes, hello, Mr. Manbun. Not my thing, but hey, uh, apparently Dr. Linda's into it. And, you know, have fun. <laughs> it's delightful. Yeah, it's great. And it's, um, you know, it must be very nice for her to be hanging out with somebody who seems to be making actual progress. Mm. That's probably very gratifying, too. Um, yeah. And like a bit of, because the dynamic, obviously, Dr. Linda is using her language and her tools and her skills and her experience to help Maze, but it de- it's not like therapy. It doesn't play like therapy in a bar. Like, they're both talking about their problems. They're both sort of, it definitely read as friendship, which I which was refreshing to me. I was worried that the Maze-Dr. Linda friendship was like, let's go to a bar, we jump around for five minutes, and then we have a therapy session, which would obviously <laughs> not be healthy or appropriate. So, um, So I think that is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with Allison. Like that was my concern was that we were j- it was going to be one sided again, and I really appreciate the depiction of it here as not being that. Um, down to May's playing wing wings wing being, <laughs> um, to Linda for the bartender and everything. So I, I like that, but I also like Allison also said that. Linda's using her tools to sort of help Mays, but in a in a sort of different capacity um, that I think just works really well. The, the line doesn't feel blurry in those scenes between like a patient and a doctor, and that and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Both, yeah. especially considering that like Linda's aware of how fuzzy that line got last season and is actively working to prevent that from happening again. So seeing how that that relationship plays out here helps reinforce that little bit of character growth that we got last season. Yeah, definitely. I I also appreciate that she doesn't let Amenadiel totally off the hook either. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, it's I. I think that it's uh, basically Dr. Linda seems like an incredibly healthy person, right? Like she's, <laughs> it's she's refreshing. Shit together. Yeah, it is. Um, and so when she forgives him, it's gratifying, but forgiveness isn't necessarily like, Hey, everything's great. We're buddies now. And the, it, the tone of that is very clear and yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we had to talk about Trixie and uh, I was torn between being like, Trixie, are you really going to go for cake again? And then being like, but also she's like, eight so yes <laughs> uh so so i enjoyed more Trixie stuff and that of course brings us very specifically to the chloe and dan stuff and i remember when i watched this the first time being surprised and really thrown by the fact that they like were like nope love triangle we're not gonna even 
we're going to move past the the Chloe and Dan stuff, at least for now. Um, did that strike you guys? Were you surprised by that? Or did, was that a pro? Was that a con? What did you think? Some of this is kind of like bleeding for me a little bit in terms of like what happened in the previous episode is sort of like bleeding into this episode. I'm kind of, I'm looking for like a little bit of a foothold. It's also pop, almost certainly my fault in that I'm just not paying attention when Dan's on the screen. <laughs> oh, that's a and listen. Which is Allison is nodding as vigorously as one cannot. Very deep nods yeah. from Allison. <laughs> like a, it's more of a headbang. It's more of a headbang. <laughs> yeah. So I'm losing the thread like a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. which is largely the fact that I never really found. I, they, they still haven't really given me a reason for why they, why they, being Chloe and Dan, were together in the first place. And so, like watching this deteriorate just isn't, like, a thing that I'm invested in. So the idea of a divorce, while I'm supposed to, I think I'm supposed to see it as, like, a sad thing, feels like the best possible option for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a struggle for me to, like, buy into, the, like, this is a conflict. Um, even though I do think that they would probably make better co-parents once lines are drawn. And it also means that then, as my partner pointed out, Chloe would stop showing up at the police station. <laughs> Not Chloe. That Trixie would stop showing up at the police station for custody arrangements because then you can have those in the arrangement. Um, and I think that that's important <laughs> because I don't understand why that small child is, has shown up twice at this police station. At least there was a line of dialogue about it this time where they're like, yeah. you, you know, thanks for letting me drop her off here. And yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. I was, I was surprised, but happy they're like oh we're not gonna you're not actually gonna make us do like a whole jealousy about lucifer thing like that's text when they're actually moving that forward we're just gonna take oh that's nice thank you show (laughs) was sort of how i felt about it (laughs) the first time (laughs) yeah i um uh i i am not bored by kevin alejandro but i'm just generally really bored by basically all of the detective douche stuff at this point. So Mm -hmm. that was a gratifying decision for me. And I agree. I was like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad we're just, except we're just cutting this one loose. That's good. That's uh, refreshing. Um, To be honest, I think I'm still a little bit pissed that he's not more demoted. I mean, I'm pissed that he's not fired, but Mm -hmm. I'm still pissed that he's not more demoted. Um, So that might also be bleeding into it a little bit. (laughs) he He shouldn't be there. Yeah. As Marcus says, Kevin Alejandro is like greater than sign Dan Espinosa. Definitely. And you guys can see what I mean, where it's like, no, it's not that they figured out what to do with Dan in season two. They started to figure out what to do with Kevin Alejandro in season two, where they're like, we're going to, okay, let's cut off the whole like love interest part of it. Let's go to more colleagues. And then we're going to, and then it goes from there and he starts, he gets some more stuff to do later in the season um, or, as, or as the season progresses. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, so there's some some yeah, there's stuff, uh, but yeah, they stop have it so it's not as tied to uh, Chloe romantically and to tension with Lucifer because of that. Like they move on to other things for for him, which is good. Uh, let's talk about the case of the week and the fact that Robin Gibbons didn't do it. <laughs> well, mostly I also want to highlight that we had Robin Gibbons and we had Vic Shahey. So we had like a miniature Chuck reunion yeah. in this episode, um, which <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, plus, Trisha Helfer was on Chuck, right? Was she? I feel like she had to have shown up on Chuck or was that like just before? Um, I don't remember. It I feels will like check something while, they would while do, we continue to but check. But I don't remember. 
Yeah. Um, so this is like one of those kind of procedural things that I always really excites me when we clearly had a writer's room that read about content moderators in like New York magazine or something and went, we can make an episode around this. Um, yes, she was Agent Alex Forrest on Chuck in 2009. Yes, that's what I thought. Okay, good. Thank you. One episode. Uh, <laughs> once, yeah. Because um, she was she was very she was too expensive for them to keep any longer than that. <laughs> um, so, like, I like that idea of like working in like a rip from the headlines sort of deal into the show. But then to put their spin on it of doing a Sin Eater, I think is a really really fascinating kind of idea. Um, and listeners, um, I really encourage you if you're not aware of like how content moderation works, especially on social media networks to do some research about that um there's a really good documentary and i'll give kate the name of it and she can put the link to like the trailer for it in the um in the show description that i watched on like independent lens like a couple years ago it's very very good and it does a really good job of showing the psychological and also like physical tolls that this kind of content moderation can take on someone and i think that exploring that concept through a sin eater as someone who takes on someone else's sin um, is really, really interesting and really like a fascinating sort of twist on it. I was a little frustrated that it didn't fully like fully, fully like embrace that, but also it's a proceed, it's a fun whippy procedural. So they're not really going to interrogate the larger content moderation industrial complex, but I still think that piecing that together and making that connection, I think is really, really interesting. And it, kind of while I wasn't fully invested in like how all of this fit together I liked the concept enough that I don't necessarily mind that the ways in which like all of that fit for me just didn't quite click into place but the premise of it was enough to make me buy in Allison how did you feel about it because I'm losing my thread so I need to pass this well, to someone else I think you're right that the um combination like the way in which they dovetail what's going on with lucifer's inner life and the case of the week is particularly clever um and i also want to say uh just some very good performances in general um from people who didn't need to bring it quite so hard and yet did like just really they were very committed uh even man bun extremely committed to everything he had to do this week some good stuff um I have exactly one complaint with uh, this storyline, which is that, first of all, I just never thought that Robin Gibbons did it, right? Because it was like the red herring was too early for it to be a real red herring. So then it was going to, you know what I mean? Um, uh, However, the second that we got unnecessary information about HR guy, like slightly too much information about HR guy, was like, oh, okay, well, so it was definitely him. Um, And I think it kind of diminished it for me because a lot of... With that exception, the case of the week was a little better structured this week than maybe it usually is, where the um, uh, the surprises were a little more unexpected, and certainly the idea of content moderation makes perfect sense in here. So that was a really interesting revelation, and then we were scanning through that room and looking at faces, and um, and I feel like if it had been just a, like just this much more subtle, well, actually quite a bit more subtle, but let's even just take this much more. Um, it would have been more satisfying because, man, the second we got that, like, he's in HR, so he's seen everything and blood. I was like, oh, God, OK. 
Um, all right. Well, I, I'm not watching this for the surprise, so it's fine. But uh, but I think it's too bad that that one piece didn't quite work because otherwise it was um, like uh, a much sort of tighter beast than I think it usually is. Yeah, I think that that titers really they had like a, they had like solid grounding throughout in terms of like a premise, a way to tie it into Lucifer and a way to tie it into like a larger theological concept. And I think that that's a good triumvirate of concepts to hit for this show. And that movie is The Cleaners. It came out in 2018. Um, I really encourage folks to check it out. It's really, really good. It's depressing as hell, but it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of depressing, I mean, it's a it's a grim, there's some grim stuff in here. And yes. so I thought that the episode did a pretty good job of balancing that. Like, that the it's a gruesome, way to, horrible way to die. Uh, and and then we, they're bal- they balance that, like, a pro- an appropriate seriousness at the crime scene with Lucifer then immediately going into fire crash jokes. And, like, having, having Ella there really helped with the tonal balance. And uh, I'm appreciating already how that's shaping the way that they do their crime scenes. Um, so, so yeah, it, you know, there was, there was some good stuff there. I did, I did feel a little bad for, uh, Vic Sahay, uh, cause he's just, he's so funny on Chuck. <laughs> he's, he's, he, then the, he, he's good here. He's very good here. So, I mean, it gets oh, I think good, he good killed up. it. Yeah. It's excellent range for him, but I just want to be like, more people give him work, please. He's very good. Give him work, please. Um, and do we have any other thoughts on this episode or any other thoughts uh, on, on things we want to you know, chime in on? Well, one of the things that you just said, Kate, about the crime scene really resonant, really kind of clicked into something that I realized in the back of my brain, but hadn't made a connection to. So I want to thank you for bringing it up was, especially with the second crime scene with the person with the apples, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. is just, yes, exactly. It's really grotesque. But one of the things I found really weird slash fascinating about that was we kept getting wide shots that showed us the entire milieu the whole plat the whole picture of that crime scene and i kept wondering why they kept showing that to us over like really consistently and letting us not necessarily lingering or fetishizing it or anything like that it was just in the frame the entire time which isn't really how the show's operated in the past with its crime scenes And then thinking about it in terms of, like, the content moderation of, like, no, they're sort of, like, tapping into something here and that we're being shown this one thing just for a prolonged period. And I'm, if the show had been just a little bit more, a little smarter and a little more invested, I think that there's a larger thing that they could have teased out about, like, our desire to watch really horrible violence on television but without thinking about the ramifications of that, but then doing really horrible live action, like actual violence in content moderation and the interplay of that. And the show's not invested enough in that kind of a concept, but it kept like you mentioning it just now reminded me of that Hannibal episode that has the trial and everything that's basically about media violence encouraging us and indicts us all as viewers into that into that web and i can now that you mentioned it i was just like oh that's exactly what the episode maybe inadvertently did without realizing it hmm. uh scotty says i definitely thought they were laying obvious breadcrumbs to the killer but i came to a completely different wrong conclusion i thought it was going to be maze oh she talked to dr linda about needing to pursue what she wants when she's been denied it by the people around her and the whole apple thing and its attendant symbolism she wants to punish but often goes overboard i totally thought it was going to be her that is interesting 
Um, that's a, like, a really interesting take on it. Uh, and I think I hadn't connected it to how it might tie into maze in general. So that's really cool. Um, Noel, what you were saying reminded me of one thing that I wanted to mention, which was, um, uh, just like, I wanted to give a little tiny hat tip to whoever the props master is, Mm -hmm. because when they were at, I think it was the first crime scene, Chloe was using a tablet of some kind and it had a label maker sticker on the back that said LAPD like 00026 or something, right? Like a really good, extremely tiny detail. And I love that stuff. Like I love, it's the kind of thing that really sort of makes you fall into the world a little bit. And obviously this isn't an immersive world building kind of show, but I just, I appreciated that little detail so much. So whoever you are out there, good job. It just filled me with delight. It's like, <laughs> it's the branch getting knocked off the tree by Maze's flying mm-hmm. knife of this episode. Thumbs up. Excellent. Well, if, if you guys and anybody who's listening has other things they wanted to talk about or, or bring up, please do. Uh, yeah, Tanya says props to the proud department. And absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cosign. Uh, so drop that drop that in the chat. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to be back for season two, episode four, which is called Lady Parts. And uh, yeah, more on that tomorrow. <laughs> um, there's uh, yeah, there's some fun stuff coming. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to hear you guys' thoughts in rewatching so far. I keep because I I really like some of the stuff that we get in season two, and I've been enjoying it so far. But I want it to get here sooner. <laughs> and so, like, I've been, like, underwhelmed so far by season two, um, by these first few episodes. Um, but So it's encouraging. That sounds like you guys are enjoying yourselves. Because so, I'm a little worried that we overhype season two now. Because I feel like season one started stronger than season two. But that's probably just me being too worried about it. Do you guys, How are you guys liking season two so far? I wonder, Kate, if maybe it's just that you're used to the new energy. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. So it's it feels like there's this sometimes when a show comes back after a break, it's got very obviously like a new kind of creative spurt underneath it. And that's what this feels like to me. Um, but since you're already acquainted with that energy, maybe it's not as striking. Uh, but no, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's still like a goofy procedural. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not watching The Wire, but it's, um, but it's, but I'm really having a good time watching it. Oh, cool. Noel, what about you? Yeah, I, I no, I'm having a good time watching it. I, that my pause shouldn't have been like that kind of a indication. <laughs> so I apologize for that. Mainly what I was thinking about was the fact that I still feel like with your comments about like what you're feeling as slowness is for me still very much a show doing a little bit of like an onboarding process in its second season a little bit in Mm -hmm. terms of we still have like a larger narrative to tell but we're very much slow playing a lot of this stuff from the chloe and dan stuff to the amenadiel like the various little connections that he has to other characters here plus his whole deal with his celestial divinity type stuff and i think that there's just a kind of a slow playing of that type kind of stuff that is there both to nudge the show forward but also to make sure that people who are dropping in um maybe for the first time are still finding ways into the show and i think that that's maybe where that's coming from and watching it like day to day i think is really sort of 
keeping that thread clear to me. It's almost like watching it week to week, but like temporarily just not quite there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it still kind of gives that same sensation of like when we would watch and record episodes of Quantum Leap on USA and then in the morning and then watch them when we got home from school, basically. And it was kind of that same sensation of like, all right, we got something, we'll get something new and that kind of a thing. So I'm okay with like the pacing of stuff right now, um, aside from the Dan stuff, because it's just boring and I don't care. But that's not that's not anyone's fault but mine. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. No, no, it's it's interesting. And yeah, those these are good points. Yeah. Marcus says, uh, I know which episode I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Friday's episode for people who know what that means. Um, and <laughs> uh, Tanya says, I've seen them all, uh, but I don't remember what happens and when. So I kind of feel like Allison and all. Yeah. And Marcus says, I looked it up. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're both looking forward to, yeah, we're looking forward to the end of yeah. the end of the week. And our, I'm looking forward to our chat after I'm looking forward to our chat on Friday. For the episode, I'm going to watch Thursday night. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, there's there's good stuff on the along the way too. So that's enough of a teaser. Don't look anything up, please, either of you, because um, because the reaction is is key. The surprise is key. Um, so I will uh, see everybody back here tomorrow. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thank you. <laughs>